and we are live, which um, uh, Torin typically does that part. So I am going to just go into introductions and share with our listeners that uh, as far as how I'm doing today, it is sunny, it is beautiful, and that makes me smile. But I'm also excited because um, we have a wonderful guest today. And, you know, this podcast is about shifting the narrative, but I want to highlight people that are, for lack of a better word, right, regular people, not someone who has a million followers and like everyone on NBC knows who they are, because I think that everyone has something to offer. And Timothy has a great Instagram um, profile. And so Timothy, would you like to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about you? Yes, I will. My name is Timothy Boykin. You may know me as the Black Infinity King on social media, no matter if it's from TikTok to Instagram. I am an author and autistic advocate. I am a singer and actor. Ooh, surprises. I didn't know the actor was coming in there. We'll have to talk about that. So I would like to know, or should I say, I would like for the listeners to know, because Timothy and I had a a quick little chat before we started recording. And um, Timothy has a book. He mentioned that he was an author. So can you tell the listeners about your book, sort of maybe what, um, what motivated you to do the book? And then what has that resulted in? Oh, yes. In fact, this is like my first ever uh, thing that got me started into autism advocacy. Uh, this book is called Timster's World, So What Makes You So Special? About my life being autistic at a young age. And um, how this all got started was back when I was in elementary school, like the later half of elementary school, I started to become self-aware. I started to realize that I'm kind of different than the other kids in school. And other kids in school looked at me oddly. After my self-awareness, I started to ask, ask my mom, like, mom, these kids are calling me the R word. Um, like the R word in question is retarded. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like to use that word a lot, but um, that for, but like for the listeners, that's what people called me. And I've also noticed that around that time, I get get um, taken out of my regular class into like speech therapy classes where they teach me about my pronunciations. Like I always have an issue with the the sounds, TH sounds, and mm-hmm. also learning how to be a social, social with other people. And I asked my mom, like, why do I have to be taken out of regular class into specials randomly. Why are all the kids picking on me? And my mom told me, Tim, you are autistic. And she told me what autism is. And I looked down and I said to myself, so what those kids said was true. I am Mm. retarded. And my mom was like, hey, Tim, don't say that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're more than just the name that other people give you. 
you're your own person and you have talent and you are such a good kid. And I wanted to believe that at first, but school is pretty harsh. Yeah. And I was sad at the time. And my mom asked me, hey, Tim, I've noticed that you're doing really good with your writing because, because like, I've been getting like good grades about my writing and my spelling. A lot of teachers really um, went up to my mom and say, wow, Tim, wow, uh, your son, Timothy, he's really good at writing. He's really good at this. And my mom asked me if I wanted to write a book about my life and my experiences. And I said, yes. And that's how I got Timster's World. So what makes you so special? Now about the title of the book, um, Timster is basically a nickname I gave my gave myself. Um, like whenever I pass something, like for example, if I pass a, a spelling test, I would just say I'm the Timster. Mm-hmm. Um, it was back in the day when people use like their name and have a stir at the end. Like it, there was a trend with that very two thousands um, trends, but. <laughs> But um, yeah, I I wrote that book and ever since then, it's been an avalanche of people wanting to like hear my story and people wanting to know more about me. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Um, in terms of our listeners and my listeners know, sometimes I recommend for them to rewind I don't necessarily think they need to rewind and listen again, but I do want them to take away from the fact that you said your mom supported you, your mom explained to you. And even though I'm a mom of two boys, even though moms say, you're wonderful, it's like, well, okay, you don't count because you're my mom, but my peers don't think I'm that cool, right? And so as parents, we have to recognize that We don't always have that much power, but I do think the power your mother had was you knew she was there for you when you were hurt. You knew that she could protect you um, and she supported you in um, learning to advocate through your writing, which is a beautiful story. Uh, So that is really good to hear. How old were you when you wrote the book? I was actually 10 years old when I wrote the book and it was published when I was 11. I love that. So did you, who helped you publish? Actually, we like self-published with a little bit of help, help of the um, company called Author House. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Is it a publishing company? Um, It's like a self-publishing company. They kind of like helped out a little bit. Okay. Oh, good. Great. So since you wrote the book when you were 10 and published at 11, what did that lead to in regards to your advocacy to where now you have this amazing social media platform of very insightful content, um, content that I find facilitates good conversation that people should be able to have. Uh, We don't have to agree, but we should be able to talk about it right without screaming at one another so what have you been doing since that book was published towards doing um this instagram and your tiktok well 
what I've been doing was um was um after the book I will admit Autism Speaks actually picked it up and they wanted me to like basically kind of like promote my book around and uh, I didn't know how bad they were until mm -hmm. older. Mm -hmm. But um, after that, I have um, done like some singing engagements. Like I've written a couple of songs. I have um, sung the national anthem at many different places at the Kansas Speedway at an autism autism speaks event, and mm -hmm. I did it again at the Kansas City Royal Stadium. Ah, back in back in fun? 2013. Is it is it really intimidating to sing with like all those people in a stadium? I always wonder. Well, it was like the biggest audience I ever had, but mm -hmm. um. I just pushed through it. Like, to be honest with you, I had a headache because I was very nervous. Mm -hmm. But when I sung, I felt like I was floating on air. Yeah, there you go. And uh, that reminds me of, um, you know, when you said you sort of pushed through it, whenever I have to do a presentation or if I have to like do um, uh, training for a new group, right? Which is usually educators, because that's usually the most pushback. Um, you know, even though I know what I'm going to talk about, I'm confident, I still have that little nervousness. But I remember Serena Williams said in an interview, of course, I'm nervous, but it's good to be nervous. That means I'm going to go forth and put my, my best effort, right? Um, yeah. That means I'm taking it seriously. And I remember that every time I get butterflies, I'm like, oh, Serena is nervous when she gets on the court. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, just a different perspective. So in terms of the singing, I want to hear a little bit about what you, so is your, is your ultimate dream career Singing, acting, or both? Both. Um, I kind of, look, it might sound high mighty to you, but um, I kind of look at myself as sort of like a renaissance man. Uh, like, I love it. Like, I can, like, do it all. I can act, I can sing, I can write. And I've been, like, going on many different avenues to basically achieve those things. Um, I've been writing and uh, doing music for like the longest time. And, mm -hmm. I, and I believe like the reason why I didn't put my music out there because my mom was like worried about it and everything. And she just wants to protect me as a young person. Oh, but, but like, I'm wanting to like redo all of my old songs into like a more mature uh, look. Mm -hmm. And, um, Recently, back in the 2020 uh, Black Lives Matter protest, I actually written a song called Belong. And it's out on Spotify and Apple Music and many other places, except mm -hmm. for YouTube. I'm, I'm about to like get on that really soon. Mm -hmm. So do you play instruments? I used to play percussion. Mm -hmm. And you make your music, is it, is it you write the music or? I, I, I write the music. I write the music, but I have like some people make mm -hmm. the music for me. Got it. That is so cool. My son is um, a guitarist and he likes to play around with um, 
he's trying to learn how to write music. All right, so I would like, yeah, it's 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 a nice um, how do I say, it's a nice leisure activity to keep him um, busy in a creative way, right? As um, as a young man, and what I would like to know is. Our, our podcast is about shifting the narrative, right? And your, you know, um, your platform, you talk about a lot of issues that are very important. One of the things that I, um, and I know I mentioned it off the recording of why I sort of wanted to have you on and why I liked your Instagram content. What I like is that you bring up issues that are issues to everyone you just specify how it impacts um, neurodivergent in individuals, but specifically also at times neurodivergent individuals who are non-white, right? And yeah. the reason I like that is because a lot of times, you know, and we have various listeners, but a lot of our listeners are our parents trying to understand and how they can support their kids. Uh, the reason I love that is because it, it reminds people autistic individuals are human beings like every other human being. And they have to deal with the same issues that we all deal with in our community. However, there's an extra component, right? And how does that impact us that may be different from those who are um, not neurodivergent? So I would like to know what is, like if you could shift the narrative on one thing, about autism. There's so many things, but on one thing that people perceive, um, because as much as I feel like we should all be aware, I meet people every day who have no clue, right? Have not even heard the word. Um, so I know I kind of um, threw you, I should have given you that ahead of time because it's like a lot of stuff to shift, but think about it. We can come back to it or you can tell me now. There's so many things I want to shift. Mm -hmm. um but if there's one thing i would like to shift about autism is shift the culture of autism mm -hmm. and how people view us mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing yeah. a lot of people think uh autistic people are like white straight males who basically is like really really smart but also have like a hint of rudeness because they're trying to be sarcastic. Yeah. But in actuality, um, autistic people are all over. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but there's a subreddit that I've been keeping tabs of called Fake Disorder Cringe. Now, Fake Disorder Cringe on Reddit is basically an area where people make fun of disabled people, no matter if they're autistic, ADHD, or DID, um, mm -hmm. who don't really fit the mold. Mm -hmm. Like, one of my friends, um, like, like they, they were like bullied on fake disorder cringe, because they basically um, are a like, white, blonde hair, blue eyes, feminine presenting person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Yet, and yet, she identifies as autistic. She is diagnosed autistic. Mm -hmm. And when she's talking about her story, a lot of people bullied her because 
she's quote unquote too pretty. And there was like, and there was like another one. There's another one where like a black girl was talking about her experience about like how she was starving one day, but she was like so out of spoons that she just stood there in the kitchen and just starved for a long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying, so laziness, oh, so laziness is the diagnosis of autism. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny how they use the term lazy when it comes to black people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like with like black people, white society called us lazy because we can't take all that all that hard work back in the days when we were uh, slaves. And people still call black people lazy to this day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the perception that um, the stigma that still kind of hangs around. And you are very correct in terms of um, it's definitely looked at from a different lens. And I say all the time as an educator that uh, the reason parents who are non-white need to educate and empower themselves so they can advocate for their child is because the little black boy or the little black girl is going to be looked at as not autistic, but emotionally disturbed. Oh my gosh, you must come from a troubled home. Oh, are you without a father? Like those are the things they say in the teacher's lounge. Those are the things I hear them say in the meeting before the parents come in, but they never say that Mm -hmm. about the other children. And and I don't know if you if you saw this, um, back when uh, Donald Trump was president, when uh, Mexican children, you see like pictures of them crying and emotionally distressed because they are separated from their parents. Uh, there's like a lot of white people who said that they're like a child expert who said that um, I look into those children's eyes and I see future gang members. That's the same thing that I see with like black children. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like people say that they're like a child experts and there's like a video of like black children uh doing like some messed up stuff and like they were like saying i could look into their eyes i see like future gang gang members Mm -hmm. or future terrorists um like even like the cutest of babies can grow up to be bad people even like the ugliest of children at their moment can grow up to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Heck, I did like some messed up stuff when I was a kid, but look at me now. I like, am, like one, I am a non follower. <laughs> like, like one time, one time, um, my auntie had like this really nice cookie from I believe Panera Bread, and mm-hmm. I saw the cookie there and I ate the whole thing, and she got so mad at me. But now I ask people if uh, they're eating that cookie. Yeah, yep. So (laughs) I love that he says, I've done some things and that's what children do, right? It's a learning, it's a process. Um, I'm just glad that when I was in college, we didn't have phone cameras because I don't want any evidence (laughs) of of my my 20s. And I think that I I saw, um, so you went to college, yes? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your college experience? And ah, look at that. The listeners, you can't see, but he has his diploma in his hand. 
Tell us about that journey. I love it. Yeah. Um, I graduated out of high school a year early, back when I was 17. And mm -hmm. from there, I got a free scholarship um, on my local college. Um, and from there, it was a rough two years, but I made it through. Like they were expecting a lot from me at college, a lot of time, a lot of um, strength, because like each college class, they want you to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. You can't like just like know something for like a certain section and then just throw, yeah. throw it out. No, you got, no, you got to like keep knowing this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they want the um, class subject to be your special interest. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and um, after that, I got a free scholarship ride for the University of Missouri. Excellent. And, and like two years later in uh, 2021, I got my bachelor's of arts. All right, congratulations. And do you have siblings? Nope, I don't. I'm just, just the only child. Yeah. Right. Now I did have like, now I did have like foreign exchange students come in mm -hmm. here and there, but like that was like back in the mid 2010s. Gotcha. All right. So we're gonna see your name in bright lights one day. And where would you like to see your name? Movies, TV, music. What would it be like? Oh my gosh, this would be like a dream come true. How about all? Whatever <laughs> I can get. I love it. Reach whatever I can get, I'm happy and I'm grateful. Do you and I'm have not going to stop. Do you have one that brings you more joy? Like, is which one does, you know, in regards to singing or acting, which one, like, oh my gosh, I'm so filled with joy? Like, it's that's a hard question that's actually a hard question i believe like more with like music because like mm -hmm. it's like very easy very ac accessible and like mm -hmm. every song i sing i wrote mm -hmm. and like whenever i write something that was like really good i'm like oh that's so good mm -hmm. it's giving yeah. it's giving me that dopamine mm -hmm. i like the way you said that um i asked you that question because often people ask me do you prefer to work with the parents or the children? Um, and I say, mm, I really like working with both. But when I thought about it, I thought about the fact that, I mean, I absolutely love working with my families and I love working with parents, but it is very evident that um, the children just bring me joy like no other, right? When I do homeschool yeah. sessions with my, my students, I just am so happy. Um, so clearly the kids bring me joy. Um, and I just love kiddos. I have, uh, two baby granddaughters. Uh, so I'm, um, having that new experience because I'm the mother of two sons. And so I'm learning about the girl thing. Um, all right. So we want to shift the narrative on how people perceive what autism is, um, especially in regards to, it's not just, uh, a little uh, white boy with blue eyes, right? And blonde hair mm -hmm. that it spans across all human beings. Um, 
Is there something that I would love because, you know, I'm, I, I love to use this conversation time and your expertise on your experiences to help listeners, which are a lot of parents, um, figure out what they can do to support their kids so that they can feel confident to want to have their bright lights in everything, right? Uh, so what would you say that was something adults did in your life to really support that and make you feel like that was attainable? And then on the other side, what is something that they didn't do that you wish they would have done? I know, I'm just like coming up with these questions, Timothy. <laughs> No, 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 that's okay. I usually um, ask people hard-hitting questions every day. So <laughs> it, it's it's nothing. But I think what parents, like, what parents um, have done or, like, what adults have done, period, that helped me is be understanding. Mm -hmm. Realize that, realize that I might not be the great at something here, but they know that I'm good at something there. So, so like, stop, sit me down and help me out. Mm -hmm. That's like the best thing that an adult could do. Help me out because maybe you, maybe you might be good at this when you were my age, but I might be good at something else that you were not good at your age. Mm -hmm. That's what I really love. People breaking it down and helping me understand. I love that. And this is the part, listeners, where I say, rewind and listen to that again. Yeah, support. Or how about I just say it again? Parents. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> parents, sit your kid down. If they're struggling with something, talk to them. It could be, it could be whatever. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be school. It could be social. Mm -hmm. Yep. Be there for them and support them. What is something you wish that or something that you're like, oh, I hated it when they do this. I hate when the adults in my life do this. Besides, you know, I mean, of course, teenagers hate everything adults do. Uh, it, it's, it's two things, but I just mm -hmm. don't want your, uh, like the parents to like, just like to like zone out. No. I don't want the parents to zone out. I. I really want them to to understand mm -hmm. one thing. Don't villainize a disability that your children have. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to be autism. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, um, you know, a, a parent of mine was like explaining autism to me. I was like, I was like, um, okay, what is autism? And basically they said, basically it's a disability that makes you socially awkward. And I was like, okay, um, what does socially awkward mean? Because I was, I was still in elementary school and I never heard of that term socially awkward. I heard of the term awkward, but socially awkward. And they told me, well, here's an example. Let's say there's a burning building and everybody's running out of that building. You're the one who's running into the building. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, why would I run inside of the building? Is there people who need my help? 
is it someone I love there? Mm-hmm. Is it my action figures isn't isn't there? So I just like want to run in quickly and get on out of here. Her her explanation of autism was the example was everyone's leaving the burning building, but the autistic person is going in. Yeah, basically. And and um an- another thing I want to like talk about with like parents is be there, be be sitting there even when the teachers are there or like it can be like any adult be there with the parents and all and like parents be there with the teachers and if the mm-hmm. teacher says something that is off like for example um the teachers was like saying oh timothy would never have this be this successful timothy will continue to be like will be like nonverbal oh timothy would have to wear a head, would have to wear a helmet for the rest of his life because he keeps hitting his head on walls when he's frustrated. But guess what? My mom helped me out of those toxic uh, um, traits. Mm-hmm. And um, hitting, like autistic people hitting themselves or hurting themselves is not good. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm, I'm all for like, um, for like um, happy stems and positive stems. And um, for all those people who say that stems are not right in the eyes of neurotypicals, hey, everyone stems. Mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. stems in one way or another, believe it or not. Yes. And yes. this is the part where I might lose some parents, but like sometimes, just sometimes, Mm-hmm. Try to listen to the teachers. I know mm-hmm. teachers teachers don't know their children like the parents know. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, teachers can't get things wrong. Mm-hmm. But like sometimes, just sometimes, mm-hmm. be in yeah. the same room with be in the same room with your kid, and say no when you don't feel comfortable. But mm-hmm. also keep an open mind about things. I remember uh, one parent on TikTok saying, oh my gosh, it feels like we can't do anything anymore. It feels like um, parents are like, are, like, um, are like not being parents anymore because teachers are telling uh, parents um, how to raise their children on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But, but in actuality, we want you want things to be better for your kid, right? Better mm-hmm. than what what your past was, right? Yep. So why can't you let the teachers do their job for a little bit? And if you feel comfortable, don't do it. But mm-hmm. keep an open mind mm-hmm. because teachers are there to help you. Like even though you're a parent, unfortunately, you don't have all the answers. You may have some, you may have really good, yeah, you may have like really good um, feedback, but you don't have all the answers and, mm-hmm. and you're going to disagree. We're all going to disagree about some things, mm-hmm. but just keep an open mind. Do what you want to do, but also if you can sprinkle a little bit of um, what teachers are teaching you. Yep. I hope I explained um, so- it. Very well. I hope I explained yeah. it well. 
I think that that is excellent information. I think it is very insightful <laughs> um, um, in regards to your perspective and how you see it through your lens and your experiences. And I will wrap it up in a bow um, in terms of what I hear is you are suggesting that teachers and parents work together, that parents advocate for their children, support their children, help them along the way, and work and build a support system that helps the child become whatever and whoever they're supposed to be in this world. Is that what I heard? Yes, that is correct. Yep. I just love that. I am just thrilled that you broke it down the way you did. Um, and the reason I say that, Timothy, is because, you know, I work with a lot of families and I coach parents on helping them understand and embrace their autistic child, right? And there are a lot of pressures and cultures um, around parenting. Uh, and so parents don't always want to feel negative, but they're bombarded with pressure from others, right? So for when I say these things to parents, yes, they hear what I'm saying, but when they hear it from you and the way that you have broken it down and stated it and um, demonstrated that perseverance with the support of adults around you, it's a game changer for a lot of people listening. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, so what do you do when you're not making, how many hours do you spend on your social media content? I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't even have time to make one video today. <laughs> um, like, like I'm getting like more and more busy. So like, I'm just like spacing things out, but like usually around the summertime, um, like usually um, I usually make three videos a day. It. Uh, wow. uh, like basically anytime like like mm -hmm. just like short little videos a day and if I don't have time I don't have time but it amazes mm -hmm. me to see some of my friends and my mutuals have so much time to like create new um create new art create new videos I was like dang so that's why I'm just stuck here at 90k <laughs> by the way by the way, if you haven't checked out my TikTok, go check it out. Uh, it has like amazing stuff, educational stuff, fun stuff. Um, Good. It's very diverse. We'll, we'll have those, yeah, we'll have those links. And I'm sorry I cut you off, but we'll have those links in the um, bio that goes along when the podcast is published. Uh, so we have a few more minutes and... I know I've been sort of guiding uh, the conversation, but it's been a wonderful organic back and forth. Is there anything that you want to ask me or that you want to say, um, any messages you want to get out uh, for our listeners so they can spread the word and shifting the narrative? Um, I want to ask you something real quick. Mm -hmm. and then, I'll go, and then I'm going to like finalize everything with um one final monologue but um miss stacy mm -hmm. what made you want to do this like like especially not just on like a internal level but like also an external uh level because um you're like you're like um putting yourself out there why do you do the things that you do and to be honest with you like you're kind of like 
new to me, like we just known each other or anything. So I just want to know that. Yeah. Um, so that's the question that gets me emotional, <laughs> but I'm going to hold it together. Um, so the reason I do it, Timothy, the short answer is um, it's why I'm here on this earth. That's really the short answer. It is what I'm supposed to do. It is what I want to do. It is living my purpose with passion. Um, but it was um, facilitated by a little three-year-old. I was a speech therapist and this little brown-eyed kiddo um, is presented to me in the hallway. And I said, who is the new student? And they said, this is such and such. And he is autistic. And that was a time where we didn't have, um, you. I mean, I, I you just did not have autistic students in the school system. It just wasn't at the numbers that we have now. And so um, I remember his teacher had him strapped in a stroller. And I said, why is he in a stroller? He <laughs> clearly is not cerebral palsy. He can walk. Why is he not walking? And she said, oh, he runs away. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to strap him in a stroller. And he's a little boy, right? And we're going to help him learn how to walk in the hallway. Like, that's what we do. We're teachers. And that was it. That was it. From that day on, I would go during my break into his classroom. I found my way into his house and work with his mom, um, went to the doctor's appointments with him. Uh, and I always look at it as he was sort of the muse to help me find um, my purpose. And I didn't know enough um, to, uh, to support him in a way that I maybe support folks now, 23 years later. Um, but um, his mom and I keep in touch and, you know, she just feels like his purpose was to help me learn that I need to learn how to help um, others. So that is why I am here <laughs> doing this work. And I just truly, honestly, I want the next generation of autistic adults to not have to tell a trauma story. I don't want any more trauma, mental health breakdown, autobiographies written by autistic individuals. I want autistic individuals to be able to live in a world that was not designed for them, but have supports that help them to be included in a way that works for all of us. Um, so that is why I am here today trying to shift the narrative on everything autism and I'm going to throw it over to you. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this position, but I'm only just one man. I'm only just one person. And even though I'm an author, even though I'm a singer, actor, autism advocate, I could do so much to help the world. Mm -hmm. What really helps me in the end is that people learn from what I teach. People learn from my experience and help others just so the world could be a better place. Um, with all the things that are going on right now, um, with the blatant transphobia, homophobia, racism, people saying the quiet part out loud, 
blatant ableism. It feels like the world is having less and less heroes. And yeah. I love superheroes. One of my special interests is superheroes. And I felt like I would be doing a disservice if I just um, not not uh, tell like my experience just for nothing. Mm-hmm. I hope that people learn and grow and realize that autism is not just one thing and that it's like many different things and that we should all love and care for one another. And I can like say it all, all so many times until I'm blue in the face. But like the one thing that could like help me have hope in the world is if people like just learn and grow and um, people who are inspired by me and just continue like having the world be a better place. Mm-hmm. And then that's what? one thing that like helps me. And um, mm-hmm. no matter how I do it, no matter if I sing it, act it, say it, mm-hmm. the one thing that helps me is other people being inspired by me and helping others. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Timothy. And, um, you know, this is, I feel like you are, um, you know, joining us and you are part of that energy vibration that's going to shift the narrative. And so I will remind the listeners, um, we are here to shift the narrative on everything autism. So have a podcast party, invite your family members to listen, because we can't shift the narrative without those who need their narrative shifted listen to why they need to shift their narrative. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Timothy. And we're going to have to have you back with Torin um, joining us. That would be great. Thank you. Goodbye.